children. It played through my head on a constant background reel, fantasy-like, as I manoeuvred my way around the pushchair blocking the hall. The high chair squeezed into our minuscule kitchen, the staircase and the endless, endless washing heaped up all over the place, taking forever to get dry. We lived in a desirable corner of south-west London, in a two-up, two-down, plus-bathroom, Victorian terraced house that we'd paid a fortune for before the children were born. We'd liked living there, when there was just the two of us, in our quaint little street, full of quaint and overpriced homes. We liked the look of the window boxes, bursting with colour beneath sash windows, the deli on the corner, and the other young, professional and trendy-looking couples hurrying for the train in the morning. But then Sam came along, and I started liking it a little bit less. I had nightmares about dropping him down the ridiculously steep stairs and smashing his head on the unforgiving slate tiles of the floor. I noticed the damp made worse by the constant washing draped over the clothes dryer that we had to keep in the living room because there was no room for it anywhere else. The cranky heating system was no longer endearing, the downstairs bathroom a total pain. And I longed for a garden, a proper garden, with a patch of grass on which Sam could play, instead of our poor excuse for a patio, poorly laid with ill-fitting stones, no good for anything other than a learning-to-walk toddler to trip himself up on. When Sam was six months old, I went back to work for three days a week, but most of the money I earned was used up just paying for his nursery fees. I worked for a magazine company in Soho as a designer in the advertising department of an upmarket glossy It was my job to create the small house-style adverts for those old-fashioned clients who preferred not to use agencies, the specialist perfumers and family-run jewellers, and to style the layout for the property-classified pages and the twice-a-year interiors spread. I loved my job, but it hadn't paid very much before and paid even less part-time. David worked for the same company as a marketing executive on a different magazine. That's how we met. How trendy we thought ourselves back then. How smug in our arty media way, living our arty media lives. And what a bolt through it all to find our income and our aspirations so slashed by the arrival of Sam. I used to wheel him down the high street in his pushchair on my days off and look in all the estate agent's windows. How would we ever afford a bigger house around here? We couldn't even afford to get the boiler replaced. But still, I had my dream. I pictured the magazine coverage, the spread in a Sunday supplement. Jane Berry moves to the country. At home with Jane Berry in her idyllic country retreat. Jane Berry learns the traditional art of jam making. I saw it all. 
On the rush back from work to pick up Sam from his nursery, squashed onto the train with a million other people, hot and anxious. On rainy days at home, trapped in our living room, building endless towers out of Duplo, while condensation clouded up the windows. And when I got dog shit from the street all over the wheels of the pushchair and didn't realise, until I'd wheeled it indoors and found Sam drawing his fingers along the tram lines on the floor. I dreamed my dream. The roses around the door. The space. The better life. And sometimes, late on summer evenings after Sam was asleep, David and I would sit on the tiny metal bench in our tiny patio garden and drink wine and dream together. What if, we said again, what if? But before Sam was even three, I fell pregnant.